If you have your Bibles, we'd love for you to take them and turn to Mark chapter 4 tonight, Mark chapter 4. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen in just a few minutes. But Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to land as we are in the midst of our series called Understanding Jesus. And uh, hopefully tonight you brought your, your journal. If you haven't picked one up, they're going to be out there. I think there's some. Are we sold out? Well, you know what the really cool thing is? Um, we've sold out over 4,000 journals, so that's great. So we ordered another 1,000 or more. Uh, so that's really awesome. But if you don't have a journal, you're going to need a journal because uh, in there, on page 32 tonight, you can take notes, which is really cool. But in your groups, we're trying to get everybody to go through this because we believe there's really something when we reap God's Word, when we read, when we kind of examine, when we apply it, when we pray, when God comes and meets us uh, with His Word, there's something that happens in our lives. And so, love for you to grab those journals and you can join along with us. But uh, a couple weeks ago, we were flying back, there was five of us from our staff flying back from Atlanta to uh, Orange County. And as we were flying back, we got on the plane in Denver to go. And so, you know, you're in the cattle car at, at Southwest, which is really awesome. We were like A27 because somebody has really good status. I never get A27, but I got it. It was awesome. So we got in and the front row was available. You ever uh, had the front row? I was like, man, this is awesome. We got the front row. So we sit down in the front row and we're hanging out. So, you know, we're kind of friendly. There's extroverts that were right in the front row. Most of us were pastors. So we just started talking to everybody. And you feel like a greeter when you're in the front row. I don't know if you do that because everybody walks by and you just say hi to everybody. But the flight attendants and us became really good friends there for the five, seven minutes or so. And it was great until they got on uh, the speaker and we saw some, you know, shuffling around going on up in the cockpit and we knew something was going on. And then the flight attendant said, I think we're going to have to uh, debark this plane. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's going to be just great. We get to get off this plane. We're probably going to be stuck in Denver. I couldn't wait to get home. You guys know what that's like, right? When you really want to just go home. Well, we debarked the plane uh, because there was a mechanical problem. And so with the mechanical problem, they had a new plane for us down at another gate. So being on the front row, guess what? We got to exit first. And then we got really good seats on the next plane. That's what we thought. So we got off and we started walking down the terminal. And we're going down the terminal and then all of a sudden we hear over the loudspeaker, if you're going to Orange County, come back to your plane because uh, you're not going to a new gate. And then we see a dude running at us because he's chasing us down because there were some people in front of us as, as well. So they got us all back on the plane. So here we are. I don't know about you, I don't mind flying. But mechanical problems never just fire me up. It's not like I just want to get back on that plane, right? So you hear there's a mechanical problem. We're like, okay, so Kyle, who's our pastor at Orange, said, so the pilot comes out. He says, well, what was the problem? And he said, well, it was a, a little O-ring. Um, and there was an O-ring, and we didn't have the part, but somebody found it. So I don't know if they went down in a toolbox, like, you know, you have in a garage, and they just go, oh, there's a little O-ring. We got it. And then Kyle was like, loudly, wasn't that what took down the shuttle, like the space shuttle? Like it was an O-ring. And then the flight attendant was like, you got to be quiet because you can't say that. The ladies behind you have high anxiety about flying and they were already scared to death. We didn't know that. Kyle's really loud. If you've ever traveled with Kyle, you know he's just loud. But wasn't that what took down the space shuttle? And she's like, oh my gosh. And then he's called the, the pilot Sully. He said, listen, Sully, because remember Sully was the dude that landed on the Hudson. So... We're taking off, but you got to understand, a week earlier, Kai was flying out of New Mexico, and uh, he went to see his kids play football at New Mexico, and he was flying out of Albuquerque, and one of his engines caught fire. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not traveling with Kyle anymore. I just want to tell you that. But one of his engines caught fire, 
and they had to circle around. So Kyle was just a little extra nervous about the O-ring. <laughs> but here's what I remember, and now I know. We made it safely. We're here. You can tell. Everything was fine. But small things make a really, really big difference. Small things make a really big difference, even when you don't know about them. See, it's the small things no one sees, and it's the small things that are going on in your life that make a difference in the life that everyone really wants. I don't think too much about it in my day-to-day lives, but how about you? Have you ever thought about the small things in your life that make a difference? Those things that are seemingly insignificant, that are just a difference maker. I'm going to show you a few small things. Now, now this is kind of first world problem stuff, so it's just meant to kind of be funny, but here's what I know. I'm going to show you some of this, and some of you are going to buy it before my message is over. I know that, because these small things are going to make a difference in your life. The first one is this. Um, this is called the, the handheld bag sealer, better known as the chip clip. How many of you love the chip clip? I love only a few of you. They keep your chips very fresh. That's pretty good. Second one is this. This is the auto shut-off outlet. This is for anyone who has stopped in a cold panic after they have left their house trying to remember if they've turned off their curling iron or their straightener or something like the iron. You plug in the outfit, the outlet, plug in your device, you hit a button, and there's a timer, and it'll turn it off. You didn't know you needed that, but you need that now, right? This is the third one. This is the great one. This is the handle. I mean, come on. Who doesn't need the handle for groceries, okay? This is the one you're really going to want. It's the pant waist extender. See this small little thing? You never have to buy pants again, no matter what size you are. It adds two inches. And just that little gadget right there, the Passway Six Center, that's pretty good. This is another one, the garbage guard. This may look small, but it has magical powers. It gets all the bugs in and around your garbage can gone for the rest of your life. I think they have spray for that now, but there's your garbage guard. You might want that. And here's the last one. It's the double dipper dip clip. You see, you did not know you needed that. It can hold all your sauces in the air vent. Your trips will never be the same. Your Chick-fil-A sauce, your barbecue sauce, you never have to have a problem again. See, some of you are going to purchase the double dipper dip clip. You're just not going to let anybody know. The small things in life that make a difference. There's an ancient... Uh, African proverb that says this, if you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. The mosquito makes a difference in an annoying way, but the principle is the same. One person can make a difference in a powerful way. One person can be a voice. One person can be a voice of hope, a voice of truth, a voice of love that reflects Jesus. One person's life yielded over to Christ can help another truly find life in Jesus. And tonight I want to talk about the small things because they matter. And many times because of the power of the Holy Spirit, this supernatural power that lives in you, those small things yield in time more powerful things than you could ever imagine. We come to Mark chapter 4, and Jesus again is speaking in parables and telling some of these stories. And he begins in chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 8. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd gathered around him so large that he got into a boat, sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, 
Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So the story goes, Jesus hops in a boat, right? He gets away from the crowds that were pressing in on him, and he gets out in the boat so he can begin to speak to all that have joined. And he begins talking in these parables. And that word parable means actually just to come alongside, to set alongside. And Jesus used these parables and he set this idea with a spiritual truth alongside a daily truth in the way you should live. Not only is that important, but this parable, Jesus helps them truly understand why he teaches this way. And we're going to see that in just a moment. So he gets up and he says, hey everybody, listen. And when Jesus says, listen, I think we probably all should listen. I think there's probably something pretty important he's going to say. So he comes and he said, hey, there was a farmer and he was casting some seed on the ground. And the seed fell. And it fell on different types of soil. And when the farmer just tossed out the little seed, there were four different types of soil that it landed on. Three of them were unable to sustain the seed and grow properly. Yet one area of soil produced a massive crop. So the farmer comes and takes the small little seeds and he tosses them out. It says the first one was on the path. So this is just kind of a wayward wayside. When he was throwing it, it just actually went out onto the path. So there's the one. The second was on the rocky ground. See, the rocky ground was, was shallow. It wasn't really good. It was this shallow dirt, but things spring up quickly in shallow ground. But then when the sun comes up, And scorches them. They die because they have no roots. The third was the thorny ground. (laughs) Those thorns that, that grow up. It choked out the life of any plants that were around it. And the plants wouldn't reproduce. And then there was the fourth soil. It was the good soil. When that soil was down, there was some richness to it. And Jesus comes along and he said, wow. There was a crop, it was 30, 60, even 100 times of what they had planted. Now you see those four soils. It's called the, the, the parable of the sower, but really it easily could be called the parable of the soils. Because it wasn't that the farmer carelessly threw out the seed and said, hey, let's just see what happens here. No, he's a farmer. See, this is what he does for a living. He, he knew what he was doing. It wasn't me in the backyard trying to plant some new grass or grow some plants because I really don't know what I'm doing. But the farmer was experienced. But see, it's not about the farmer. It's really a parable about the soils. And the difference is never in the seed. Okay, the seed is always the same. But the soil where the seed lands, that's where the difference is made. And I'm going to talk to you about that in just a second. But Jesus tells the story, so he continues on. Look in your Bibles, verse 9. Verse 9 through 12, then Jesus said this, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. 
But to those on the outside, everything is set in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. I mean, what an interesting little section. Think about it. See, Jesus says, they might turn and be forgiven. And wouldn't you think that'd be a, a, a good thing? But see, there's something uh, mysterious right here. It's interesting. Uh, when Jesus talks about it in the Bible, that word mystery just means it's something that you can't figure out. It's something that you, that you would not know unless God actually revealed it to you. In the biblical sense of the idea, you may know exactly what a mystery is, yet it's still a mystery because you would not have known unless God reveals it to you. So there was something here that he says, hey, I'm going to reveal it to those who need to see it and those who need to hear it. So why would Jesus want someone from being converted? Well, Second Peter said that God does not want anyone to perish, right? He says, I want everyone to come to repentance. I don't want anyone on this earth to perish. But here he says, wait, I don't know that they're ever going to understand it or perceive it. And if they actually did, they might turn and be forgiven. Well, the answer is this. See, Jesus is God in human flesh. And as being God in human flesh, he could have spoken so powerfully that people would have been persuaded by the force, his argument, and the sheer power of his words in that moment. That they would have been converted in that moment actually against their will. See, Jesus spoke with such power. He didn't want to manipulate or force anyone into a decision. The beautiful thing about our lives is we have free will. And he wanted everyone to make a decision based on their free will and based on them turning their lives over to Jesus Christ, not because all of a sudden he was God and there was so much power they couldn't resist him because here's what he knew. They might not resist in the moment, but there was nothing that was going to grow deep and there would be no roots and then they would just fall away. See, he, don't, he won't manipulate you emotionally. He won't manipulate you spiritually or intellectually. See, he wants you to come on your own will. He wants you to come freely to receive the salvation he so freely gives. And I think, just like some of you are looking at me right now, the disciples looked on him and were a little bewildered. They were like, what are you talking about? And they didn't understand anything he was saying because look what he says at verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? I mean, how then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. It's almost like he's kind of frustrated, I think, in this moment. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of the life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So Jesus comes and he says, let me tell you exactly what that parable is about. Farmer sows the seed. 
The farmer represents the person who shares God's word. The seed that is thrown out and distributed, the seed is God's word. The gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God. Then we have the soil. As we said, that's the main point of this whole parable. And you have to really grasp this parable to understand that Jesus is focusing on these four soils. For you see, the soil is a picture of the human heart, of your heart and my heart. In Luke 8, 12, the parable story gives uh, really proof to that assessment. Here's what Luke 8, 12 says. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe. So the heart, you see, is where the word of God takes root. And when it does take root, it makes a marked difference in the life of a believer. So here is what we see. Four kinds of soil having the same consistency, and the consistency is what makes the soil identical. And then you might ask, well, what separates them one from another? What makes them distinct in whether they are not they are conditioned for producing fruit? For the seed, which is God's word, it's perfect. It's the same every time. It's never changing. The weather, Jesus doesn't mention the weather here in this parable, but we're going to assume that for the soils and all the seed that was uh, laid out, the weather was the same for all four soils. The only thing that differentiates the one who has an abundant harvest from the one who doesn't is simply the condition of the soil. See, some people are like seed along the path. As soon as they hear the word of God, Satan comes and he takes it away. That word that was sown in them, he takes it away. I think uh, in my faith, I'll just speak for me, I don't know about you who are followers of Jesus, but there's so many times when it comes to sharing our faith or, or, or spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, we tend to focus on ourselves. We tend to focus on, on the farmer, what, what we would say or, or what we would do or what we actually can't say because we're so inadequate to share. So many people come up and say, well, that's easy for you, you're the pastor. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to do. And I just want to tell you, it's not easy for me just because I'm the pastor. But Scripture comes right here and it says, look, it's not about you. It's not about the seed because the seed's perfect. It's not about the farmer because you're just the farmer. It's about the soil and someone on the other side that is receiving it. Because the seed always works. It's perfect. It's never changing. But see, it's got to land on the soil that is prepared and cultivated and ready to receive the word from God. That's why if you were here a few weeks ago, Chris talked about our church teaching God's word. I mean, many have tried to change the seed or use different seed um, for somebody to be converted or something to happen in a church. And, And it never works. In the long run, that never works. As pastors, we will be doing our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, a huge disservice if we didn't teach the Word of God. See, the fact that He even uses us is a miracle in itself. But it's His Word that we teach, and it's His Word that we proclaim, and it's really all that we have. Because, see, I'm just the farmer, and I've just been sowing seeds for 30 years. And yet, so many times, us pastors, we go home and we go, we're discouraged. Because the sheep didn't hear 
or the sheep didn't do. And God just keeps saying, it's not your issue. It's mine. And it's not about you. It's about me. Matthew, keep sowing seed. Keep giving people the word of God. Because it is their soil, it is their hearts that I am preparing. And some will come to me and some won't. That's why when people come to me for advice, many times I just go, okay, well, let's have a conversation. We'll have a conversation. And then I'll say, well, what does God's word say? And they'll be like, well, yeah, I know, I know what God's word said, but I want to know what you say. And I say, okay, well, here, let me just tell you what God's word says in a different way. Um, because here's what I believe. I don't have that much to tell you. I don't have any great advice to tell you that, that I wouldn't start in the Word of God. So I'll just say it in a different way than maybe the Bible says it. But guess what? This is the Word of God. So I'm going to go to that every time. If you want advice from me, well, I'll come and tell you, let's go to the Word of God and see what God has to say. And hopefully the advice I give is, is biblical and sound. Really, you don't care what I think. You shouldn't care what I think. I'm not that smart. But you should care if we preach God's Word or don't preach God's Word. Someone just asked me a few weeks ago, excuse me, this week, this last week, I was in between services and they, they said, do you still get nervous when you speak? I said, every time. I said, my stomach's in knots before I go up every time. Not because I'm scared to speak. It's because there is a weight that pastors carry because we are trying to share for the creator of the world and our Savior Jesus Christ. We are trying to rightly share the word of God. You know that weight that is upon us? It's not just coming up here and giving you some inspirational talk or being motivational. It's actually going, did I share the word of God? Because that's all that matters. So you know what that does? That makes my stomach in knots. It goes nuts. And it still happens 30 years later. I thought I would be done with that, but I'm not. But you know what it is? It's a reminder that there's nothing more important for me to come up and to hopefully share the word of God to you. And here's what I've just decided. This is for me in my life. You can do as you wish. That I'm going to believe God's word, whether or not I always understand God's word, and whether or not I always agree with God's word, especially when I want to justify my actions that go against God's word. See, that's really kind of called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord doesn't say, I will believe if I understand, and I will believe if I agree. No, I believe because it is the written word of God and the spoken words of our Savior Jesus Christ. And the fear of the Lord says, I believe whether I understand and agree with it all the time or not. And either I'm going to be all in or I'm not going to be all in. And I just decided a long time ago, I'm all in. And let me tell you something, when it convicts me, I don't like it. <laughs> and when I'm doing something that I could justify and God's word says don't, I don't like that. But here's what God says, I want the best for you, Matthew. And the question is, have you surrendered and have you trusted and have you given your life over to me in everything? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, you want to write this scripture down. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 18, 2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but a delight in airing their own opinion." Some of you love to air your own opinions. And the writer of Proverbs says, hey, maybe you need to take a, take a step back and understand. In this parable, 
Remember who Jesus was speaking to, right? It wasn't the atheists. It wasn't the, the weekend partiers and, and, and those who wanted nothing to do with Jesus. It wasn't the ones who said, hey, I'm fine just doing things my own way. I can trust in myself. I don't need any God. No, it was the hardest of all hearts. It was the top scribes and the Pharisees. He was speaking once again to all us religious people. They did all the right things. They followed all the rules. They, they had the rituals in line, but their hearts had become callous. And, and they were at the hands and the mercy of the devil, Scripture says. And as verse 16 told us, so some hear it, Satan takes it, and then they completely turn away from it. So then he comes and he says in verse 16 and 17, others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with great joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So here is a picture of our uh, hills in, in kind of in your Belinda. We all understand what that, the brown is right now, right? We're in kind of fire season. After a long, dry, hot summer, there's our hills. And we're praying that rain will come this winter and soak those hills. And when it does, there'll be some greenery and foliage that pops up, right? But it won't take too long before it just looks like that again. See, that's what Jesus is talking about right here. Some people receive the word with joy. And man, they're excited about what they've received. And they're excited about God being in their life. And, and they say they're going to be changed. But all their excitement soon gets weeded out because they've not let God and his word take root deep within their hearts. We, we have a slope on the backside of our, our home and it was eroding away. And it's because I had planted some plants and I wasn't really good and they hadn't taken root. And so, you know, there's a pool there and then there's a hill. And so it was eroding away. So we got worried. So we brought in somebody that actually knew what they were doing. And Vic and Stacy, who go to church here, they came and they planted plants. And now there's some, some shrubbery and some foliage and it's taken root. And now our, our hillside's not sliding away. It's not eroding because there's, the plants have taken a deep root. And we go, it's awesome. We're going to save our hill. And it's the same thing for you. Unless you hear the word of God and you receive it, but you continually have to let the word of God sink into you and you have to grow roots. And that just doesn't happen by being a weekend warrior and coming to church. See, God's word has to penetrate your heart. And in your groups, you come together and that's why we've given you this parable. That's why we think this is so important because here's what you're going to do. You reap what you sow. And some of us are reaping some things and we look around our life and we're, why is life like this? It's because we haven't been sowing in God's word and understanding and knowing who he is and letting him change our hearts. So he comes and says, some filled with joy, but man, it didn't take long for they were out. Verse 18 and 19, here's the third group. Still others like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. That's soil. We don't know anything about that here in New Orleans, do we? Worries, wealth, and wins. I'll call it the three W's. Worries, wealth, and wins. Worries, wealth, and successful. I'm going to say that's the majority of soil in our community. Don't know about in our church, but worries, man, that's consumed us the last couple of years. Wealth, never have enough. 
wins, I call that success. Scripture comes along and says, hey, wealth, the desire for other things come in. Worries of life, and it chokes out the word. And before we know it, we're focused here instead of here. And whatever life we've had in Jesus has been, has been choked out to death. You know what would give me, me joy? And you, and you know what uh, would make me excited? I'm going to show you a picture. Fake grass. A couple of my neighbors put in fake grass. You know why? Never have to do anything to it. Looks perfect. It's great. Look at that. Never have to cut it. Never have to trim it. So I watched two neighbors put it in. And you know what's under it? It's like rock and sand. And then under that, you know what's under that? Weeds. But it looks perfect, right? I think that's a beautiful picture. I think we sometimes come into this place and we look perfect. But everything underneath is dying on the vine. And Jesus comes and he says, hey, everybody. You may look good on the outside. But you're being consumed by worry, wealth, and winds. And you're focused on the wrong things. And it's sucking the very life out of you. But then he comes and he says, hey, group four, here we go. Verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word. Accept it. Produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Think about that. So what does that mean for you? Let me just ask you to identify, what, which soil are you in tonight? I'm not going to judge you, not going to ask you to raise your hands, not going to do anything. Where, where would you say you are? Three soils, not very good. One soil, doing some things. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to take a, a small step tonight, whatever group you're in. I'd like for you this week to begin to think about what step you're going to take to reflect Jesus Christ better in the life he's given you to live. See, here's what I believe. Small changes to the life you're living. Small changes to the life you're living can bring significant change to the life you're called to live in Christ. Small changes right now to the life you're living can bring significant changes to the life you're called to live in Christ. Some people, 30, 60, 100 times, man, they are just getting after it. And I don't know what that means for you. But about 10, 12 years ago, and I shared this one time a long time ago, but I was just reminded of this. Lots of things happened to me on planes. But this old dude was sitting by me on a plane. Um, and he sat there the whole time. And we had great conversation. Really nice man. And he had, a, he had this in his hand, and I saw him. He had been preparing the whole trip to talk to me. And as soon as we landed... And we started going. He said, hey, can I ask you a question? How sure are you of going to heaven when you die? I said, man, that's a great question. I said, I think I'm pretty sure. He said, well, can I share something with you? And I, you know, I'm just like, sure, I'll let you go ahead and share. Go for it. And he began to share his faith in Jesus Christ. And then he gave me this track. And he was priming the pump for a good two hours. 
And you could watch him. And then I watched him get nervous. It was great. I love these kind of conversations. You could just see his hands fidgeting when he, when he asked the question. But you know what? I just looked him in the eyes and I said, I just want to thank you. Number one, I want to thank you for being bold enough to ask me the question. Number two, I want to let you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am ready for heaven because Jesus Christ is my Savior and I'm a pastor. <laughs> and he said, you are? I said, yeah. And I said, you did a great job. I'll give you an A+. Plus. Can I keep the track? <laughs> and this is in my desk 10, 11 years later. It sits in my drawer when I pull open and, and need a pen or something because I am reminded of one man who had enough courage to talk to another man next to me, next to him on a plane that he didn't even know. And that might not be your personality. That might not be who you are. But this was a small act of love or kindness from someone who is just sowing a little bit of seed. And when I walked away, there's the little things that still impact me because I don't keep things. I have a two-car garage and I have room for two cars. I throw out most stuff. But this impacted my life. So where are you? First group, I'm going to speak to you as I wrap up. Maybe you're here today, or you've been brought here today because somebody wanted you to come to church, but you don't have any time for God, you don't have any need for God, and I just want to tell you, I'm so glad you're here. You're the, you're the seed maybe on the path. I just want to ask you this, if you do one thing for me, if that's you, again, we'd love for you to come back. We are so grateful that you're maybe investigating Christ and who he is. But would you consider just doing one thing? Would this week, you just pray a, a short prayer? You don't know how to pray, just pray, hey God, if you're real, would you show me who you are? Just pray that for this week, one time a day. Just say, hey God, if you're real, would you just show me who you are? And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if God's going to do anything, but I'm just going to ask if you would do that. If you're in that first group, if you're in the second group, Maybe you received the word of God and there was joy. Man, you were pumped up and you were excited. But um, if you're honest, the joy kind of stopped there. Maybe you just attend church now and then and you have no real relationship with Jesus, but nothing has taken root spiritually in your life. If that's you, maybe you've gone through something uh, that's been so tragic that your life's just upside down and you've lost your faith in God. Can I just ask you tonight to, to make a commitment to yourself, just to be here for the next eight weeks for this series. If you can't make it every week, just, just say, I'm going to try and be here. And, and when you come in, just say, God, speak to me. And as we unfold God's word, our prayer would be that he just speaks to you. Third group, you've heard the word of God, you accepted it. But it's lost its proper place. The three W's, if you're honest, have taken precedent over your relationship with Christ. Worries, wealth, wins, your success, your portfolio is just getting killed right now. All the worries that are just kind of taking over this world, the, the place that we look at and we're just like, seriously, and you've spent so much time watching TV and watching all the bad news, you've forgotten that God is sovereign and he's still in charge and he is God yesterday and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever and he 
got this. But maybe, just maybe, the three W's are winning today. I just think that's where a majority of people are. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 said this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So may I just ask you today, if that's you, you know Jesus, but man, he's just not the priority. Tonight, would you just before him repent and ask God to forgive you And maybe you know you're supposed to take a next step. Maybe you know you're supposed to be in a group. Maybe you've been blowing off your life group. Maybe there's just something that you're going, I know I need to take a next step. Would you just take that next step, whatever it is? But it starts really with repentance. So how do you cultivate good soil? And here's for those of you who might be in the third group, hopefully leaning towards the fourth group. How do you cultivate some good soil? In the book of Isaiah, King Uzziah died tragically after 52 years of reigning as king. Isaiah was pretty sad. He was a good king. He didn't know what to do. And in the midst of the king's death, it says that Isaiah had a vision and God was sitting on his throne. And he was still in charge and nothing had changed. And the glory of his robe filled the temple, it says. And the prophet called out to God and he saw before him on his throne, surrounded by these heavenly creatures and these angels, and they called out to one another. And here's what Isaiah 6 verse 3 says. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices and the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said this, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin has been atoned for. See, Isaiah sees the holiness of God, and he was convicted. And in the presence of God, he actually saw himself as he really was. Why was he undone? Because he saw himself, not as God sees him. He saw himself as who he really was, was a sinner. Unclean. And there was a deep sense of his own depravity, and he was undone. And an accurate view of God illuminates the sin in us and around us. And in the altar of repentance is where we actually receive cleansing from our sin. And this is really the supernatural spiritual event that occurs when God burns away the fleshly sin and then ignites the spiritual flame within us of the Holy Spirit. And it's not until we get right relationship with God, it's not until we humble ourselves and we realize that nothing can be done until we're actually undone for the kingdom. It's not until we realize, God, man, I am wrong and I need to repent and I ask your forgiveness. And guess what happens? There's a repentance and there's a cleansing. And then the power of the Holy Spirit can be seen in you and through you. And it's a daily response to an amazing God. But Isaiah saw not only God for who he was, but he saw himself for who he was. And the more clearly he saw the Lord, the more clearly he saw his sin. And I don't know about you, that's the part I hate. 
<laughs> because when we go before God, we see our sin a little bit more clearly, and that's why we don't want to do it sometimes. But when God begins to reveal things in us that aren't like him, man, repentance is the way back into a relationship, and then the Holy Spirit can be used in and through our lives. See, then you begin to reap. So what does that mean? How do you cultivate good soil? You repent so you can receive, and you receive so you can produce the righteousness that God desires. So last group, your good soil. You're committed to honoring God with your time and your talent and your treasure. You are growing and going, and you are growing and sowing. Can I just encourage you, don't stop. As a church, we want to be in the fourth group, right? At least I hope we do. That wasn't a rhetorical question, right? Right? We want to be in the fourth group. We want to scatter some seeds. Galatians 6, my last scripture says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Two things, and I promise I'm done. I'm an empty nester now. How many of you are empty nesters? That doesn't mean kids came back home. You can't count them, all right? They left and they came back home. How many of you are empty nesters? Raise your hand. Come on, raise it up. Look at all of us. Isn't it great? How many more Netflix series can we watch? <laughs> I was sitting in, in, and I'm busy. I have this job and I, and I have a, a, the denominational job. And, and last year, God just said to me, hey, I need you to do a little something more. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? And granted, I can't be here every week because I travel a little bit. And so I, 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 I'm not as consistent as I want. But God said, I need you to, to co-lead a small group for high school. Really? But I watched what some dudes did for my son. And I thought, I can do that. And so I lead, co-lead, and I'll lead, co-lead. Because I'm not that good and I'm not here that much. But when I'm here, I'm here. And we kicked off our, our high school. And there was like 800 kids on this campus Wednesday night from fifth grade all the way through high school. Okay, this place was packed with the next generation. And you know what I've just decided? I'm, I'm going to be there and I'm going to love on these. Now they're sophomores. They were with them when they were freshmen, squirrely freshmen. Now they're squirrely sophomores and they're awesome. And I'm just going to sow some seed. says, continue to do good while you got a chance. I just couldn't sit home another night. I get enough nights to sit at home. So I was just like, I, I got time. What are you doing? Some of you quit sowing some seed a long time ago. And you're just kind of hanging out. And he says, hey, come on. There's still things to do. There's still seed to sow. There's still things God wants to do. It's not about you. It's about him. But you got to start throwing some seed. And I'm just praying that some of that seed will take. Tomorrow night, we launch our, our, our sixth campus. You didn't even know it was happening, and neither did we till one month ago. Because you know what happened? A, a church lost their pastor. And we went and we gave them three options of what you want to do and, and where, how do you want to move forward, and we'll help you. And they decided they want to be a campus of ours. So tomorrow night in Buena Park, Friends Church called Waymaker Church is becoming our sixth campus. And so I'll be preaching there tomorrow night. We're starting a sixth campus. You, you're starting a sixth campus. The elders approved it. We're going forth. You know why? Because we're going to start sowing some seeds. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to foster this church for the next 18 to 24 months. 
It's like you take a kid in and foster them. We're gonna foster this church because they're in great need and they don't have a pastor and they're not sure what their next steps are. So we're gonna help them find a pastor. We're gonna give them resources. We're gonna be there on Sunday nights and we're gonna help that church lay a foundation. And guess what? In 24 months, we're gonna kick them out of the house and they're gonna be their own church and we're gonna celebrate once again and they're gonna go on and be Waymaker, but we're gonna be the ones that get to be a part of that. You know why? Because God told us we're gonna sow some seed and the world's gonna be better because Fringe Church is in it. That's you. So what are you gonna do? Remember at the beginning, the O-ring. We couldn't take off without the O-ring or we would have died. Small things and small changes to the life you're living, I promise you, can make a huge difference in the life you're called to live in Jesus Christ. Start sowing some seed. And let's watch what God does in and through us for his glory and his honor. I'm late. Stand up. Jesus, thank you. You're good. We love you. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, for those of us who are here, just don't want to miss an opportunity. If uh, They've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, but yet they, it's like it's on a path. It just, it never took root. Tonight, they don't even know why they're here. God, I just pray right now that if, if you were here, you would just simply say, Lord Jesus, I'm just gonna choose to believe because you, I believe, can change my life. So I choose to believe in you. I hear your word and I accept that word. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. And God, we thank you for those of us who, who had joy and <laughs> remember that, but it's just kind of going on the wayside. God, we pray we take a step. For those of us who the three W's have just taken over our life, may we just ask for forgiveness tonight and, and turn. And for those of us who right in between, we, we can't say we're just planting 30 and 60 and 100 times more than you've given us, but God, we, we want to do something. I pray for us tonight. I pray for some of these men that are sitting here that we need some high school leaders. We need some junior high leaders that, that tonight, God, you would just move in their heart. Because the next generation is counting us to plant some seeds. And so, God, we, uh, we just thank you for your word that doesn't return void. We thank you that you're doing something new in us, and I pray you do something new through us. And I pray, God, we'll just be faithful to the calling you give each of us. So thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you give us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.